Welcome to a special presentation of Nebraska Farmcast, a podcast with essential information for essential decisions from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The Nebraska Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics is dedicated to providing timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications for Nebraska agricultural decision makers. Each week, our team brings you essential information for your essential decisions in live webinars covering a diverse array of farm and ranch management topics presented by experts from the university, from across the state, and from around the country. This series of podcasts offers audio from these webinars so you can learn on the go. To find a complete archive of all webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more resources, visit the Farm and Ranch Management website at farm.unl.edu. Well, good afternoon to everybody in the East and good morning to everybody in the West. We still have some attendees rolling in, but I wanna thank you for joining our webinar today. I'm Jessica Grosskopf, a Nebraska Extension Educator and Regional Economist for the Panhandle District. This is a special session of our Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team's weekly webinar series. You can find a complete schedule of upcoming webinars and past recordings at farm.unl.edu. We'd like to point out that the Rural Response Hotline remains a great resource for ag professionals across the state, providing mental health counseling, information regarding legal assistance, financial clinics, mediation, and more. The hotline's toll-free number is 1-800-464-0258. We will also have a wealth of resources related to stress and wellness at ruralwellness.unl.edu. Crop producers are facing many decisions about the upcoming production year right now. Today's webinar will focus on the roles of farm programs, marketing, and crop insurance, including the new enhanced coverage option. We'll be discussing the newly finalized crop insurance pricing and address factors that may impact ARC and PLC programs in 2021. Joining me today are two colleagues of mine in extension, Brad Lubin and Corey Walters. Dr. Lubin is an associate professor and policy specialist. Dr. Walters is an associate professor and grain economist. Both work in the university's department of agricultural economics. Welcome Brad and Corey. Corey, do you wanna go ahead and get us kicked off? You're on mute. There we go. Can you see that? Yes, do you wanna go ahead and switch or start your presentation? Yes, move that moved around. All right, uh, thank you, Jessica, for the introduction. Um, again, my name is Corey Walters and we're gonna talk about crop insurance here a little bit and uh, some prices. Um, so I'm gonna start off with the price side and then we're gonna switch over to uh, uh, Brad and then uh, I'll come back after that and uh, talk about insurance uh, and the, the options there. So uh, this year is a particularly interesting year uh, compared to the most recent history where we're starting off with, with higher than new crop prices. Um, and with those higher prices also come a higher implied volatility uh, uh, with this year. So um, this, uh, this is gonna make everything adjust a little bit substantially compared to, to what we've seen. So we're going in at 458 
on corn with an implied volatility of 0.23. Uh, last year was like 0.15. Uh, soybeans is 11.87, and again, the volatility is up a little bit. So uh, as we go through, as we start this year going forward, um, it is unknown how market prices uh, will evolve throughout the growing season. We have, we have a lot of uh, uh, reports to come through, uh, particularly the prospective plantings report and all the WASDs um, and uh, whatever else can, uh, can hit our market uh, that we, we can't see coming. Um, but we still could say something about where prices may end up this fall. So we're gonna view prices through the probability lens. And this, this is gonna allow us to put some weight on rare financially devastating events. And while we may not like to think about these, these sort of rare financially devastating events, uh, remind you what you were doing, let me re remind you of what you were doing last year at this time um, and what we've, we've witnessed with COVID impacting us. There's, there's things can and will happen. We just don't know when. Uh, this uh, presentation is about you. You have to filter everything to where, to where you're located. Um, and what you have here is uh, the non-irrigated corn insurance base premium rates across Nebraska. And this is the, essentially the base county rate. So the idea here is the, the smaller the number, the lower the risk, or the, the dark blue would be the lowest risk counties and the, and the, the dark red or the highest risk counties. Uh, so what, however you're thinking about decision-making, uh, be cognizant of what you're reading and, and the conditions that those people that are writing that face. For example, if I, if I was out by where Austin Parthoon lives over here, I wouldn't talk very much about, um, and Austin's one of our, our, our graduate students here in the department, a master's student. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, uh, be talking to someone over here in these counties because the risk rates are just that much more higher where he's at, okay? At the same time, maybe he wouldn't go out west and visit with them about risks either because they, they, they are different and they should be perceived differently then. And then the one I can't get here is your financial risk of where that's at, okay, that's up to you. So everything's gotta be filtered by you. Okay, um, I said I was gonna view this through the probability lens, so let's do that. So let's take a look at where a corn futures price exposure. So I'm gonna take those two numbers, the projected price and the implied volatility, and we're gonna characterize where prices could end up this fall. And then uh, we can identify essentially what your coverage level gives you for price protection. And throughout the, my presentation, I'm going to focus typically on price. Uh, and I'm going to leave yields up to you, uh, but, but at least this way can get, can get you an idea of what type of price coverage you have and help unlock maybe what, what you know, protection you, you do have essentially. Okay, so the idea here is we have, uh, we have prices over here on the, the X axis. Okay, so these are dollars per bushel. And here's your projected price of 458. And then we have a map in here, this red line, and that just maps into probabilities. So out of this, then I can go over here to 85% coverage level, and that's that's uh, $3.89. So that's essentially take, take 458, multiply it by 0.85. So we're, we're holding yields at their APH. And you have essentially protection of, of prices dropping below $3.89 by this fall. Uh, and the probability of that occurring, of that event occurring, the price is below, is 23%. So if we went over here to 389, find that value, go up till you hit the, the red, and then go over, it'd be somewhere around 23% probability of that. And as you drop down those coverage levels, those keep, keep dropping. And I put a star here by this one, that's the one I'm, I'm showing right here. Okay, it's a 75% coverage level. So a lot of variability uh, uh, in prices, and there's, there are events down here that can trigger, or events that could trigger uh, low prices to occur this fall. 
just on, on the price side. Now, uh, higher fall yields, so yields still matter, higher fall yields uh, lower the price required for payments to start, and then lower yields increase the, the price for payments to start, okay? So there's your, your price distribution. And also notice there is some up on the upside here. There's a, there is a, a less than 1% chance you could be up here in the, the $9, $10 range. I'm not concerned about that in any sense um, because farm survival exists surviving these events down here. Uh, this up here is uh, the, the pay no taxes marketing plan type place that we end up here and you, you've done a lot of forward contract. Let's go over to the soybean side, similar picture, uh, but, but it is the shape is a little different. So let's walk through that, that same thing. Um, so we're sitting here around 1187 on the projected price and we have this, this distribution behind it and we have some low events out here that can, that can cause us financial harm. And if we're sitting here at a 75% coverage level, there's, there's about an 8% chance that prices could end up below $8.90, okay? Brad, back to you. Corey, thank you, and, and good day to everyone joining us. Uh, I'm gonna break into Corey's discussion of prices uh, so that we can talk briefly about farm program decisions that producers face. Uh, and then return it to Corey for some relevant discussion of, of crop insurance decisions as well. So I want to talk about farm program decisions and, and remind producers of the upcoming decisions. We timed this, uh, this webinar today so that we can address both farm program decisions and crop insurance decisions that are coming up on uh, March 15th deadline here. Uh, remember that for 2021, this is a new farm program decision. It's the same ARC versus PLC program decision, but it's a new one and it's a one-year decision. So we have the opportunity to at least revisit where we're at now and consider what our, our best choices are going forward. Uh, there are lots of things related to this decision, however. Uh, if you choose uh, ARC, then that limits uh, your ability and you're unable to purchase SCO, the supplemental coverage option. Uh, however, there, uh, there are still uh, issues relating to the new uh, enhanced coverage option uh, that is available on the top end. And so that's available to everyone regardless. The important thing is we're going to have farm program decisions and they will in fact couple with sometimes substitute for sometimes uh, complement uh, crop insurance and marketing decisions as well. Now the challenge with this decision going forward uh, compared to the previous years that we've, we've done this. In 2014, that was the last farm bill when ARC and PLC were first implemented and producers had a one-time decision between ARC uh, at the county level, ARC at the farm level, the individual coverage or PLC. And overwhelmingly in 2014, producers chose ARC at the county level for corn and soybeans. For grain, sorghum and wheat, it was much more of a mix between ARC county and PLC, but fundamentally there was a much stronger uh, sort of support for uh, for the ARC election in 2014 for a decision that was was stuck, one decision for 2014 to 2019 or 2018. In 2019, under the new Farm Bill, producers had a new decision, and ultimately it was in the spring of 2020 before we made that decision, and so it was a decision about the 2019 and 2020 crops. We knew how the 2019 results had ended up production-wise, and you saw a jump, particularly in ARC uh, individual coverage, uh, because we had uh, issues of flooding, uh, wet uh, conditions prevent plant accordingly, where ARC IC made an important role. 
but we also saw a large shift toward PLC because lower prices over time and meant that the relative support of ARC had gone downhill. I can show that on a graph here, uh, just looking at corn, soybean, and wheat prices. The first decision was in 2014. We were coming off of record high prices. And those record high prices meant that the Olympic average was high, which meant that the relative support in the ARC County program was, was strong. And there was a lot of uh, support, at least in corn and soybeans, uh, overwhelmingly to go into ARC. Uh, in 2019, we had a new decision, but we were under uh, multiple years of lower prices and the relative support in ARC County versus the relative support of the PLC program uh, at the reference price meant that PLC was stronger and more likely to, to pay and more likely to support downside risk. And thus we saw a big shift in corn, uh, some of what of a shift in, in soybeans, uh, a shift in wheat and grain sorghum as well toward PLC. Now it's 2021 and we have new price projections. I can't vouch for you where prices will end up. We'll try and put Corey on the spot here later maybe to, to peg prices, but price projections are starting much stronger. And if they're strong enough, maybe neither program fundamentally pays. That doesn't mean that neither program or either program is worth zero. But let me first give a comparison. The effective reference price, that's the, that's the uh, reference price for purposes of the PLC program. Those numbers are consistent there. There is a formula that says those could go up. We've not been at high enough prices long enough uh, to trigger that formula. So those are the same reference prices we've had since the Farm Bill passed. The ARC benchmark price is a five-year Olympic average, uh, but that is 2000 and, uh, uh, 2015 through 2019. So it's two years lagged. So even though we now have higher prices, they're not yet ready to trigger into that, uh, that benchmark. Uh, we have a crop insurance price that was just established uh, at the end of last week. Uh, Corey said corn is 458. I looked it up either I looked it up wrong or mistyped, but I've got 459. So except a small discrepancy in our analysis there. And then I've looked at where projected prices could be. And I'm going to talk prices so that I can compare ARC and PLC sort of on equal footing, remembering that yield component of ARC is quite critical as well. For projected prices, if you looked at today's futures bids, I looked at them earlier this morning. Obviously, I can't even vouch that they're still uh, current uh, at this time. But current futures prices are even higher than the February average. If that's a fair estimate of where we go uh, for the season, our best current estimate of what harvest time futures prices will look like, and you accept my very sort of back uh, of the envelope analysis that the typical difference between harvest time futures price and the national marketing year average cash price is minus six cents for corn. Uh, I assume the same for sorghum plus one cent for soybeans, et cetera. Then you see my projection of a national marketing year average price for analysis purposes here, not again, not for any sort of predictive quality. I compare that, however, to USDA's most recent uh, projected prices for the 21 crop year. They published uh, projections during presentations at the USDA Ag Outlook Forum uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they are higher than they were when they published initial baseline estimates back in November. They're not as high as what current futures prices would project, 
so we can debate about uh, sort of the quality or the, the likelihood of either of those scenarios. But if you accept those two price scenarios for purposes of analysis, it doesn't matter where we're at with current prices as long as we're as high as we are. Neither of those scenarios would envision us triggering uh, PLC payments for the major commodities in Nebraska. Even wheat, which has been lagging for years with substantial PLC payment rates, would be out of the money under the USDA baseline exactly at the money, zeroing out. Uh, but if you look at the futures price projections, substantially out of the money. To trigger a PLC payment under current price expectations might take a 20% price loss on corn, an 11% loss on sorghum, a 31% price loss on soybeans. That's the kind of uh, essentially uh, deductible built into the farm program price protection. Uh, yes, there's a benchmark price. Yes, it's constant. It offers us continual support if we're treading water below those, those references. But given where we're at now, there's a substantial deductible before it kicks in. I compare that to ARC, and I use the same price projections, and I make assumptions about given price level changes relative to uh, the benchmark. So if I use USDA's number for corn at 420, that's 14% above the 370 benchmark. If I use the futures price projection and my calculation of 463, that's 25% above the benchmark. If I accept that those price projections are our best estimate of what could happen, then how do I trigger an ARC payment? I have a benchmark price times a benchmark yield times 86%. It would take an even bigger loss to trigger an ARC payment. In fact, if corn prices really are 25% above the benchmark, then it would take a 31% revenue loss from this point going forward. Price, time, price, yield, some combination of. We'd effectively have to have a better than 30% loss from current expectations in order to trigger an ARC payment. A 37% revenue loss below current expectations in order to trigger a soybean payment. Those are much bigger uh, inherent deductibles than for the PLC program. And so you get the sense that PLC's deductible is not as big, but it's a price-only protection program, remember. So I try and do a little bit more comparison, and maybe this sets the stage to, to go back to crop insurance here in a bit. Under the PLC program, uh, you have, yield, you have uh, no yield protection. You have just a specific fixed payment yield. You have 100% protection on price losses below the reference price. That reference price is 370. That's effectively like having a put option on all of your payment yield at 370, at a national average price of 370. The ARC program is a benchmark yield times a benchmark price times 86. If you're at benchmark yields, current yield expectations, 86% of that benchmark price for corn is 86% of 370, which is 318. That's effectively essentially saying you have a put at 318, far out of the money compared to where we are. Again, that's a yield adjusted uh, safety net. So if yields go down, it doesn't take as big a price loss to trigger a payment. If yields go up, it would take an even bigger price loss. So you can begin to sort of understand or conceptualize how big that deductible really is. I compare that to the crop insurance uh, choices here and 
you know, if you're choosing RP at 85% coverage, I think Corey showed that number earlier. Uh, that's where it kicks in closer to $4 corn. At, uh, um, at SCO, you have the, the potential coverage above 85% to 86%. At ECO, you have coverage up to 90 or 95%. All of them offer effectively much stronger price protection, assuming uh, uh, yield expectations. All of them offer a, a, better, uh, a better protection level for, for price expectations uh, than do the, the farm programs. So you compare those tools for this year, neither ARC nor PLC really is expected to pay. The best budget scenario would, would project them in the cash flow at $0 each. Uh, PLC will tend to pay more and pay more often under any sort of probabilistic analysis, but neither of them is expected to pay. ARC would provide more protection against uh, yield losses. ARC County would do so against county level yield losses. If you come into this year with particular concerns about drought and, and potential yield risk, drought that re is reflected in county level results may be covered very effectively by our county. If your farm is particularly more uh, drought prone or is just generally riskier than the county as a whole, then maybe ARC-IC becomes much more relevant as well. ARC-IC grew in enrollment in 2019, but that was large in 2020, but that was largely a function of known losses in 2019, as well as maybe some uh, already uh, um, concerning expectations for 2020. Now it's 2021, you have to make a decision before planting season arrives. Maybe there's not as much likelihood to project those same losses for ARC-IC, unless you're already in a scenario where you know that drought concerns are, are significant. Or frankly, if in, in wheat country, you already have some uh, knowledge of, of growing conditions and expectations for yield that might make RC, ARC-IC a relevant calculation. Now, that's why you might choose ARC County for that additional yield protection. It's also possible that given the scenario between PLC and ARC, and given the reality that, that, farm, that crop insurance has much higher embedded protection levels than the farm program does, then maybe the bigger choice is what kind of crop insurance decision should I make? And should I buy a, a under, underlying protection level on the farm? And should I add SCO or ECO to that enrollment? And remembering that SCO is limited. Uh, if you are in ARC, you cannot choose SCO, but ECO does provide uh, protection to both. Now, I've done some analysis on, online on the online decision tools. I want to point you to them. If you go to the FSA homepage and you, under programs and services, you choose the ARC PLC program link, that'll take you to that page with, with the web link there. On that page for ARC and PLC program details, scroll down and you'll find a, a box to resources. If you click on that box, it opens up the dialog underneath it. That's the links to the convenient web tools. There's a web tool produced at and running at the Texas A&M University and one at the University of Illinois. I don't have an, an answer about which tool is the most accurate. In fact, my sort of glib answer is they're both wrong because they both have to make assumptions about price and yield distributions. And you realize that we can debate their assumptions. We can debate what the distribution looks like. But in the end, we're going to have one poll or one 
draw for the entire year as opposed to 500 or 1,000. If I look at the A&M tool quickly, I plugged in my 463 corn price projection, and it tells me that even though I expect 463 corn, I'm still getting a projected PLC payment. And that always sort of confuses uh, the, the, the user or the analyst because how can I possibly get a PLC payment with prices that high? But it's remembering that I expect 463. I don't just plug it into an equation and calculate it, otherwise it'd be zero. I expect it and I also draw 500 or 1,000 possible scenarios around that. And some of those scenarios fall below 370. And thus there are some scenarios with the PLC payment. And when you average that out across all of the scenarios, you still get an average expected payment. In this case, it's a $17 payment, but if you scroll through those details, at the 75th percentile, the number is zero, which says at least 75% of the draws are nothing. So there's a less than 25% chance that PLC triggers. That makes some sense to us. At the 90th percentile, it says the payment rate is 70 bucks, which is rather large, but that suggests that at least 10% of the time, there's a fairly big price loss projected in their distribution. I can't vouch for uh, the mechanics or, or the exact uh, um, metrics of that, but we have to re recognize those downside tails do exist. This is the A&M model. It shows a, a big advantage of PLC over ARC. Yes, ARC provides more protection by protecting uh, uh, yield as well as price, but it also has a much bigger deductible given where we are today. And thus it takes a much longer time before it actually triggers, something less than 10% of the time before it actually triggers. Compare that to the Illinois model. I plug in the same information in Illinois. Unfortunately, I can't draw my own price scenario. Uh, I'm stuck using their, uh, their limited choices. And so I'm not comparing 463, I'm comparing a $4 corn price uh, as the highest one that they drew. Uh, maybe that'll get updated to more recent numbers, but regardless, even if I only assume $4, I still see an advantage to PLC. Uh, the, the payment uh, rate uh, between the two programs doesn't interest me as much as the fact that both programs effectively show PLC triggers more often and PLC averages a bigger expected payment. And yet we know with the scenario we have, we don't expect payments under either program today. So that leaves me looking at that analysis and knowing that any of the analysis is going to favor PLC at this point, it seems. And that's true, certainly true on corn. That's generally true across all of our commodities. Uh, soybeans is a little closer, actually much closer between the two. But the, the straight up analysis is generally going to show an advantage to PLC unless you also know uh, and have concerns about uh, significant downside yield risk. So that leaves you with the decisions for this year. You've got that ARC versus PLC decision. Given the projected payments on the 2021 crop, frankly, backing up and given projected payments on the 2020 crop that are due later this year, we don't expect much safety net support uh, or at least payments uh, in the coming year and, and the coming two years now. It leaves us remembering that there are other risk management decisions. I would argue this year, while the crop insurance decision is pending and while it's still important, a good mar a crop insurance, excuse me, while the farm program decision is pending, 
a good crop insurance decision and a good marketing decision is even more important. The new crop insurance tools may help with that, but fundamentally it's important that we understand how to manage uh, that, that broader complex uh, safety net for farm income. That's a setup to talk about farm programs and hopefully it's a setup to say, frankly, crop insurance is the bigger decision this year. And let me turn it back to Corey for that discussion. Before we turn it over to Corey, I do have a question in the chat box, uh, Brad, that I yes. think is important for you to go over. The question is, what are the mechanics that were used around setting the base rate of 370 for corn? And what is the likelihood uh, that it could be meaningfully revisited for 2021 or also for years after 2021? Okay. So do you want to talk about that before yeah, we let me over? Let me talk briefly. Uh, the the base rate, the reference rate of 370 for corn was set specifically in legislation. Uh, that was set in the 2014 Farm Bill. It, it stays the same here in, in 2018, uh, in the 2018 Farm Bill. There is a formula that says it can go up. If uh, market prices move higher, then you take a five-year Olympic average. And if that five-year Olympic average times 85% exceeds the 370, we would actually raise the reference rate. But we're on a lag. Uh, the last year of this farm bill is 2023. The 2021 data will count for 2023, but it's an Olympic average. You throw out one year anyway. So the 2020 data is also looking like it may finish fairly strong. It's possible we'll get a calculation that goes up but the likelihood that it goes up high enough to move that reference rate under this farm bill is essentially non-existent. Um, we could see that discussed uh, as the next farm bill comes due in 2023, but for practical purposes for the major crops, we're sort of stuck with the existing reference rates. Thank you so much. Corey, do you wanna take us off on crop insurance decisions? You bet. And all right, thank you, Brad. Your camera is still off. My camera is still off. Let me turn that on. Right. There we go. All right, so before we dive into the, the crop insurance uh, how, or how I'm gonna characterize uh, this year's decision, uh, let's have a, a quick quick review of uh, your different options. Uh, you have multi, multi-parallel crop insurance is your traditional one. This is where you get your revenue protection, yield protection sort of stuff. Uh, you get a coverage level. Uh, this essentially is your, your determine, you're determining your liability and you get to select that in 50 to 85, 50 to 85% in 5% increments. Uh, you also get to select your policy type uh, this influences how payments are made or the, those mechanics. Do you want to, uh, uh, while you're insuring yields, do you want to then include uh, a price insurance in there? Uh, and then you also get your unit type. Uh, and that, that determines how your acreage is divided into separate insurance policies. And there's, there's four of those there, optional, basic, enterprise, and full farm. Um, going uh, ex more expensive, from expensive to cheaper uh, from left to right. Okay, uh, sitting around this crop insurance stuff is uh, these other options. Uh, and one of them is the SCO, the supplemental coverage option. 
And this is this effectively is designed to assure part of your farm level, your, your multi peril uh, deductible. And it ensures between your coverage level up to 86%. So if you had a 75% coverage level, you'd get that 11% uh, between there. And I'll show this graphically here in a couple of slides. It really characterize this and the, the next one I'll talk about. Uh, it's subsidized at 65%. Uh, and you must participate uh, in, in PLC and, uh, to uh, purchase SEO. I think Brad said that. Um, and uh, if we go off our, our probability distributions, I was talking about earlier at that 86% covers level, uh, that's a $3.94 uh, per bushel. So you got a 28% chance prices uh, this fall will end up below $3.94. This is the new one for this year, enhanced coverage option. Um, it is similar to SCO and it's also available for RP and YP. It also operates at the county level with the yields, uh, county yields, and then of course those same prices. You can select a 90 or 95% coverage level and you get a premium subsidy, albeit a little bit smaller than the, the SCO of 44% for RP and 51% for YP. And that 95% coverage level, uh, the, the higher one there, it gives you a, a price of $4.35 and there's around a 42% chance prices this fall could end up uh, below this. Okay, so let's characterize uh, how, how, to, or how to think about these, these uh, programs. So what we have here is uh, just revenue down here on the, the x-axis and uh, probabilities going up here. And, 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 and we start off the year knowing this expected revenue. This is that APH times that projected price. But what we don't know though, is where we'll end up this fall. And, and so what I've done is I've drawn a distribution that may represent uh, where we could end up this fall with, with maybe low revenues or, or even, even high revenues. And I probably did a little disservice here. I could probably kink this tail out over here and get you a little bit higher revenues for a chance. But uh, nevertheless, I'm, I'm worried about these guys down here. Um, so the first thing then uh, uh, we do is we layer in insurance in this thing. So we, we buy crop insurance. And crop insurance then provides essentially from, and I selected a 75% uh, coverage level, so any, any outcomes down here in this area, uh, you, you, uh, you'll get a little grain, let's say there's a little yield and then uh, you're short some bushels because you have this insurance contract and then uh, uh, you know, the crop insurance company pays you for, for the difference. And when you're, when you're participating in this program, you have to have a deductible. And that's that, that difference between one and 75%. So in this case, the producer deductible is 25%. You have to lose 25% of your expected revenue before insurance will, will start paying. So essentially uh, you're participating in the loss, okay? Now let's get to the fun stuff. Let's layer in SEO and ECO on both of these things. So like I said earlier, SEO will jump you from, from that 75% up to 86, that's a 16% gap. And then that, that ECO now goes, goes uh, to the next, uh, next level, a 9% gap it gets you up to 95%. So now we're, we're really talking, uh, or almost to 100. Um, we're almost to 100%. So almost ensuring, ensuring ourselves uh, through different mechanisms perfectly. So what does this mean? What do, what do we do with this? Do we buy ECO or SEO or not? Um, I'll give you uh, my, my hint to that. Uh, it's, it's very much dependent upon your, your goals and objectives. Uh, one thing going for both of these things this year is we're starting off at an extremely higher price than we've seen in the past. In fact, a price that appears to be very, very profitable. Um, however, given that, uh, for those of you that out here that have uh, uh, priced ECO, 
uh, there, you might get a little sticker shock. Uh, ECO is going to be very costly because the probabilities of claims are very high. You're, you're, you're walking up this curve right here, and you, you have to account for all of these things in here. And that's a lot more than hanging down in this area over here in your individual coverage. So ECO can be, be very costly. Okay, so then that takes away maybe some of the, the, the allure to it. Uh, however, we're still starting off at high prices, so, so things can drop pretty quickly. So why else would we want to insure uh, or buy ECO or SCO? Um, when, I, when I layer in uh, expected cost production and I use uh, the UNL crop budgets from Glenis, um, I see uh, between irrigated and non-irrigated crop uh, uh, production costs. Uh, running between $2.90 and $3.80. So over here in this range. So prices then would have to drop, uh, they'd be dropping and you start getting claims from ECO well before you're actually out of, out of any, any money. So it makes me, uh, or before you're losing money. So essentially you're in a positive profit place. So that's, that's kind of intriguing. Do we, do we then spend the money for this uh, or do we turn around and put that money, that money somewhere else? Okay. Um, one uh, thing I've, I've glossed over a little bit is uh, uh, your 2021 crop insurance deductible may not be as it seems. Uh, the rise in the December futures through the month of February is causing your deductible to grow. So let's take a, a look here at a, at a producer. Um, uh, there's a 235 bushel APH. Let's say they're an irrigated producer. Uh, our projected price came in at 458 uh, and you have a coverage level of, of 80%. Uh, and we go over here now, we're sitting uh, today, I think we're just a couple pennies below this, but nevertheless, the idea still exists. You're at 475 now on uh, December futures. And so that effectively gives you a 77% uh, uh, coverage level. So you're three percentage points off here. So as this thing keeps growing, uh, you gotta lose more um, of, of revenue before you can start, you can start claiming, okay? So keep keep a thought on that as you're as you're buying an insurance issue. Okay, uh, so to wrap this up, uh, when layering in SEO or ECO in your individual coverage, your your indemnities are generated from two sources. Uh, first, you get the county, uh, that's your your SEO and ECO, that's your, your on the county side. And then of course you have your your individual. So what can happen is uh, lots of odd outcomes can and will occur. Don't don't let this. To stop you though thinking about a strategy of how you could uh, use both of these things because there is similarities between them and price is the similarity so it's, a, it's effectively working off of a, a, a price uh, strategy and as Brad said if there is a drought uh, that's that's a pool of risk it typically hits counties uh, fairly large that just doesn't work as well in your counties really really big um, and you know I remember uh, if you're receiving an, an indemnity from individual coverage due to price then likely the SEO and ECO are paying, paying as well. Um, your individual yields and county yields will still be your, your source of uh, discrepancy in payments. Um, just be aware of how, how that works. Uh, and of course, uh, as, further, as prices drop further from spring to fall, then higher, higher fall yields must, go, must, must occur uh, to revenue out of an indemnity. Okay, <clears throat> so what is ECO, ECO and to some extent is SEO supposed to do? Uh, so what's it supposed to represent? Um, okay, we know that the ECO harvest price trigger is four dollars and thirty-five cents. There's a forty-two percent chance chance prices end up below that. That's pretty good odds. Um, the ECO premium range uh, I've seen I've heard stuff between twenty-five and thirty dollars an acre. Of 
course, ask your agent for those, those exact numbers because it's going to be costly because of this 42%. Um, and then uh, you can pick up this 9% of liability uh, by, by taking 235 times $4.58 times 0.9. I, I did not put that in here, but that's where you get your, your $97. So you essentially be paying $25 to $30 uh, to get uh, potentially $97. And recall, that's still 42% chance of that happening. So on one hand, uh, it ensures a range of profitable prices. So why buy something so expensive? Uh, maybe you could put that premium to use somewhere else. On the other hand, given that uh, projected prices are so high um, and we grow a normal size crop, uh, could prices drop dramatic, dramatically between now and fall and, and give you a, a max payment? Okay. And of course, it's uh, costly to participate. Um, and if prices were to drop, would there be then any, any government payment? Um, because we keep layering in, we keep layering in uh, uh, these, these alternative products. That part I do not know. So with that, uh, we can open it up to questions. Um, Jessica, you got questions or you'll handle questions? Yeah, so again, if you have questions for our panelists, please go ahead and either use the Q&A feature um, or the chat feature and we will draw questions from there. And the first question is related to drought and the ARC individual program. So Brad, I'm gonna have you kind of go over that. So we talked a lot about ARC County, but can you dive just a little bit deeper into ARC individual as a potential option for 2021? Uh, yes, Jessica, thanks. And, and certainly there's a question about whether ARC individual coverage would, would provide more protection than ARC County, uh, given uh, potential drought expectations. If we really thought the only peril was drought and we expect that drought's a widespread uh, event, then we expect that that would show up in county level numbers. But if the farm has any sort of, sort of variance in risk that maybe is more risky um, or not as, you know, the county's not as represented at the farm, then certainly ARC-IC has a role. Um, the, the challenge in any sort of analysis is that uh, ARC-IC mechanics and ARC-CO mechanics look similar, but then at the ARC-IC program, you pool all of the crops on the farm, the, the, all of the farm program crops. So it's kind of like choosing enterprise coverage for crop insurance. You don't just insure each individual unit, you bundle them together. And so you've pooled across uh, those, those crops on the farm. Uh, and then you make this calculation. And then if there's a payment, ARC IC pays on 65% of the base acres, ARC County pays on 85% of the base acres. Now, there's a logic for that. You expect the farm to have more variability than the county. So you expect the farm would trigger more often than the county. So it triggers more often, but it pays on a smaller percentage budget-wise that sort of smoothed out the differences when they originally passed this legislation back in 2014. That's why ARC-IC always sort of has a difficult uh, comparison uh, to ARC County. But if you have uh, information on the farm that says, uh, I'm riskier, or I already have expectations about this year that are that are on the downside, then that big deductible uh, for ARC and, and maybe particularly for ARC IC uh, starts to disappear already. And we're already closer to, uh, to where it would trigger. 
the mechanics are long and complicated. It's not easy uh, to, it's easy to choose ArcIC. It's not easy to enroll in the terms of all the, all the numbers you need. But if you're really concerned about farm level risk, then ArcIC certainly becomes more relevant. Thank you for that answer. All right, Corey, are you ready for some ECO SEO questions? Yep, you're on mute, but here's the first there question. <laughs> if the harvest price is higher, does ECO and SEO coverage adjust like the harvest price uh, on multi-parallel? And then do any of the tools extend to include the impacts of SEO and ECO? So under, under revenue protection, then yes, you, get, you do get the price adjustment as well. It would work the same just at the county level. What was the second part of that? Let me jump in on that second oh. part question because it relates to the online farm program decision tools. Uh, I, will, I will offer my editorial comment, which is I'm disappointed that neither of the tools really helps you answer that question. Both of the tools only study the probability and the size of potential farm program payments not even farm revenue. So, so you get this comparison of how often the, the programs might pay and what the average expected payment is. You don't get an analysis of what that really means to your bottom line. And you don't get an analysis of how does that farm program payment complement a crop insurance uh, decision as well. So it's an incomplete tool uh, at that. To build a full complete sort of tool of the, uh, uh, for the whole portfolio, maybe as a dream project, it's also a very sort of expensive and challenging project. Uh, but, uh, but no, take, take it with, you know, take it with the, the limits that it comes with. Those online tools really only talk about expected payments, not, not ultimately farm revenue or crop insurance support. All right, our next question is ECO pays before SEO. Does it make sense to select SEO without ECO? That's definitely a, a, one of the contract combinations. So it's up to the user. Um, absolutely, the, the SEO premiums, sorry, the ECO premiums are gonna rise dramatically because uh, you're walking up that, that distribution to more and more likely outcomes uh, occurring. Corey, if I'd, if I'd ask your judgment too, would you see SCO that kicks in at 86%? So this is assuming someone not an ARC, they're looking at SCO. SCO kicks in at 86% down to whatever farm coverage they buy. They can buy farm coverage anywhere up to 85. Would you see a reason to trade off lower farm coverage so that you can replace it with SCO? Or is there, or is there generally the the benefits are to go as high on farm coverage as you can and then decide whether SEO fills any of the gap. It, it's, I'm, I'm hard pressed to let go of that yield guarantee that you're picking up on the farm on, on any of those things uh, um, because that, that plays into the marketing side, uh, everything else. Uh, um, All right, so our next, it's more of a comment in the, in the chat box is that um, we should reiterate that SEO and ECO indemnities are not known until June of the next crop year. This may affect some cash flow decisions. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, that's, that's just how, how it works. They have to get through those, those uh, uh, county yields um, and they won't be posted till, till uh, a, a ways out. 
yeah, afterwards. Definitely here's, great. A, here's a fun one for you, Corey. How does hail insurance uh, integrate into these components? Uh, uh, so I, I need to know very much what policy you have for your multi-parallel. Are you at optional units? Or are you at enterprise units? Um, what's your hail rates looking like? Um, yeah, your, your hail is a non-pooled risk. It could hit you individually. The ECO, SEO yield stuff gets you on a county level. So it's a more of a drought protector. So you're letting go there. Um, is it going to hail when there's a drought? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it gets ugly. At the end, you, you need to have a solid understanding or, or ability to protect yourself from multiple perils. And it's hard to give up the protection on those, those ones that are really protecting your yields. So I would like to follow up with that. Um, okay. I really encourage you to go to your crop insurance agent and have them quote these various combinations and look at the difference in the coverage and the types of coverage as well as the premiums. The other thing is, um, and I, I, a little bit more than Brad, I like the ARC individual program as an additional kind of hail policy for some of those farms. And, and there's some there's some innuendos to that. Like you said, it's, it's a discounted payment rate. Um, but if, if you're in a severe weather area, the farther from the center of the Corn Belt we get, that ARC individual program might be something that you think of in terms of severe weather. And I'll give you our example um, from our personal operation was that, and it was hard because we already knew, but in 2019, we got kicked in the teeth by hail. And so we knew what farms we could put into the ARC individual program to trigger a payment. And we're actually considering looking forward, doing those same farms that have a higher likelihood um, of hail. So ARC individual could be an interesting option um, in that severe storm situation. Brad, any yes, I, might, I might add to that a bit to say, I, I concur that, that the, more you, the more you have farm level risk, the better ARC IC looks. Um, remembering the limitation, ARC IC, just like ARC County, only pays 10% of the loss below the benchmark. It starts at 86% of the benchmark. It caps out at 76% of the benchmark. So, so don't believe that ARC IC is your full hail insurance policy or your full crop insurance policy. It's only, it's only a 10% uh, uh, band. It's the shallow loss. Maybe that helps you buy down a lower coverage level uh, that, uh, that, that costs less premium, but remember that it's not a 100% substitute. And also it's based off your base acres. I think that's something we also get twisted in our minds is these payments are not made on actual planted acres. They're made on base acres. And the farther you go west, Usually, like in Scotts Bluff County, that's usually traditionally half or a third of your total planted acres equals base acres. So that's something we really have to make sure that we're, we're not confusing that this is not a planted acre program when we're talking about farm bill, where these crop insurance products do, do cover planted acreages. Another question coming from the chat, which is better to use ECO or to buy a put what are the advantages and disadvantages of each? So this is a great question. Uh, I like this. So um, when, when you're buying that ECO, uh, and you're, if you're gonna use that as a substitute for a put, 
you have to walk through all the rigmarole of that insurance product. Um, and there's, there's numerous things there that you like or don't like. Um, and it, 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 one of them is flexibility. If you buy the put, uh, then you can, you can trade that thing uh, anytime between now and expiration. On the, the, S, the ECO side, uh, you're stuck with that thing through the end and then get add in that yield variability in, into that thing. Um, so either one is good. I've not looked at uh, you know, a price of a, of a put with a, a similar strike price of what ECO is giving you. Although, although the, the, so the trigger price on ECO is around that 435. That's really not where you start actually making any money. You have to pay for that premium, which might run you about 12 or 13 cents. So then you're down, down a little more on that thing, which the same would go for the put. You have to, you have to pay for that thing as well. But uh, um, at the ECO subsidized, uh, so it, it should over time return you a little more, um, but you don't get the flexibility as you would with the put. If prices keep, keep rising, you can, you can exit out of that thing with uh, still some, some time value left in that. So. All right, our next one is, we are usually at 70 or 75% coverage levels. Would SEO or ECO make any sense? So again, if, uh, if you're, if you're uh, one hand or the other, if you're, if you're looking at protecting your farm revenue and you can do that this year, to protect your, your, your costs um, where you don't have any financial exposure, um, I, I, you get to put, you have the choice to put that money somewhere else or continue buying insurance of where you're already uh, insured, you know, above your, your cost production. Um, on the other hand, prices are high. And if farmers are responding um, to higher prices, we're, we're, we're doing this before planting, man, the pressures of, of lower prices come fall with a, a reasonable uh, yields. Or, or exists so so you you that's more of a uh, a financial uh, uh, strategy. It's not a fan. It's a strategy just based on on just making some money, even though your farm's really not exposed to it because you you've already insured yourself uh, maybe a small profit, and you're just adding this on the top of it. So it's user preference. User preference. All right, we have someone who has their hand raised. So Janine, I'm going to go ahead and allow you to talk if you would like to ask your question. Go ahead, Janine. All right, looks like we are unable to hear from Janine. Um, Janine, if you wanna type your question into the, uh, into the chat, we'd be happy to allow you to uh, get that question answered. Um, again, we have a few minutes left. So if you have questions, please go ahead and enter them into the chat or the Q&A section. So our next question, Brad, is for you. It says RCO for corn in our county has a benchmark yield of 203 and a price of 370. How is the guaranteed figured for the county yield due to drought or duratio that would give the county yield 140? If the price goes in fall to say 550, 
do they still use the 370 price times the 140 for the benchmark revenue? Right. Uh, great question. A uh, bunch of mechanics or mathematics here. Uh, yes, if you have a benchmark yield of 203, and we know the benchmark price is 370, uh, then I did some calculations here while I was, while I was waiting. That gives me a um, benchmark. Make sure I did the right calculation. <laughs> uh, 203 times 370 gives me a benchmark revenue of 751.10. Now my guarantee is 86% of that. So it's a 645.95 guarantee. Any combination of yields and prices for the county uh, that uh, ultimately fall below that 645.95 would trigger an ARC payment. Now, that is the actual county yield per planted acre. And so you gave the hypothetical of 140. Uh, it is also the national marketing year average price. So if you had a 140 county yield, given the guarantee I just calculated, there would be a payment uh, as long as the national marketing or average price was 461 or less. So that's one of the realities with price and yield uh, distributions and correlations. If we really suffer widespread drought, you know, frankly, to to if we suffer drought in a few counties, it's it's a bad situation there, but it's not enough to move the country as a whole. If we really suffered enough widespread drought or really widespread storm losses, you could envision yields going down and prices going up, uh, and you could still end up with a scenario: yeah, we had lower yields, but we had higher prices, and thus the revenue is still sufficient uh, to exceed our guarantee. Uh, so it really. Uh, there's a reason why further east in the Corn Belt, uh, they see less and less sort of relevance for this revenue protection because, uh, because prices and yields are nice and inversely correlated and, and uh, um, they sort of have their own natural hedge already in place. Uh, yield protection is more relevant the further west you go, and, uh, uh, but recognize that it would, still, uh, it would still take a fairly substantial um, loss to, to trigger under ARC. Thank you for that, Brad. I'm going to give a last call for questions. If you have any questions, please go ahead and put them in the chat or the Q&A. I'm going to give our panelists one more opportunity to make some, some final comments. So Corey, we'll start with you. As we wrap up today, what are your final thoughts? Uh, this is an awesome year. Have fun. Uh, don't don't get too overly bullish about this thing that we're, we're all of a sudden heading to some miracle price. Uh, um, it's you know make some money, survive. Uh, don't forget about even the following year. Uh, you know looking out that far because we're we're there's we're producers. Um, we're going to produce this thing back down to uh, production costs uh, one way or the other. Uh, it's it's coming, and and uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions uh, over email, uh, or if you have any thoughts or anything uh, about anything I said, I'd be happy to discuss anything with any with anyone. Thank you, Corey. Brad, any final thoughts? You know, I, I appreciate Corey's thoughts. I said it's it's hard to get bullish about a rally at a time period where we can still substantially influence production. Uh, 
it's the it's great to have a rally right now if you're a crop producer, but uh, um, but the question is, do you take advantage of it or what do you do with it? Um, the farm program decision is coming up uh, with a deadline uh, on the 15th. And as I noted, I don't think that's the most significant decision this year. What you do with crop insurance and what you do with the marketing plan, I think has a much bigger impact on, uh, will have a much bigger impact on your bottom line. Um, we don't expect much, uh, really much cash flow or support from farm programs, either this calendar year based on the 2020 crop or in the next calendar year based on the 2021 crop. Uh, so all these decisions are important, but don't expect them to by themselves to be a big part of uh, a big part of your bottom line. Look at all the other risk management tools and decisions uh, to go along with it. Yeah, I would reflect both of their comments. And one of the best things that you can do, you know, in this time period before we get into the tractor is to sit down and think through each of these decisions. They're not three separate decisions. They are decisions that are all integrated together. So make sure that you're looking at what program am I enrolling in? What crop insurance am I purchasing? And what am I doing on the marketing side and how they interact together? And spend some time before you get too busy um, to do that. So again, this presentation has been recorded. It will be posted online at farm.unl.edu along with the slides that our uh, panelists had today. Thank you everyone for joining us. Um, next, our next webinar will be this Thursday at noon central time. It is the second webinar in a two-part series on succession and estate planning. As a reminder, you will be receiving a short survey in your email that we would really appreciate your feedback on, not only on today's webinar, but your input for future sessions. Thank you again for joining us. This has been a special Nebraska Farmcast presentation of Extension Farm and Ranch Management in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. To view or listen to more archived webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications to guide your decision-making, visit farm.unl.edu.